0: Into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the off season. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. For today's Locked On Reds, we've got a special treat. I'm going to be talking to another person, so that you have more voices than just myself. Talking about our wonderful Reds, but he's not just any guy. He is the host of the Reds Alert podcast. He is my friend and yours, Stephen Offenbaker. Steve, how you doing, man?
1: Aloha, I am doing great. Happy to be here, Jeff.
0: I'm telling you what, the Aloha just gets a little bit more, I, I get a little bit more jealous of it each day as the temperatures are steadily falling here in the Tri-State.
1: Uh, I'm going to be so obnoxious when it starts snowing back east, you just have no idea.
0: I <laughs> don't blame you at all. Well, I tell you what, let's leave it off today. Uh, kind of the big headline, really. It's, it's not like a super headline, like that's one of those things where in the weird part of the year where the Reds are out of the playoffs and everything that is big for Reds fans because we're all just we're pining for any morsel of news whatsoever that any little thing seems like a big thing. But the big thing today in Reds country is that Sonny Gray was named as a finalist for Comeback Player of the Year by the Players Association. And I, for one, Thought he was a shoe-in until the other name in that final. There's three names. One of them, I think he's head and shoulders above. The other one, I'm a little worried about. What are your thoughts on Sonny Gray versus Hyunjin Ryu?
1: Well, you know the thing with Sonny Gray, and I said this maybe a month ago, is I I felt like he needed to be at least in consideration for Comeback Player of the Year. And uh, the argument against Sonny Gray is that, you know, it's not a it's not a player coming back from injury. It's you know, it's it's a guy coming back from being in the pressure cooker of New York City and whatever else went on when Sonny Gray was there. So in in that regard, you have to. You have to look at his his numbers and think, you know, this is a guy with a lot of God-given ability that you know had a rough year and and got it together. And is that what qualifies you for the comeback player of the year? Is it the adversity? Is it, it coming back from an injury? You know, what are your qualifiers? And I, you know, I don't know what the right answer to that is, but I do know that that given what Sonny Gray's performance was while he was in New York for the Yankees and what he did for the Cincinnati Reds this year, absolutely qualifies him to at least be in the conversation
0: I'm with you and it's funny because I was trying to look that up too as to what constitutes comeback player of the year and even if you look on the wonderful Wikipedia even they say that there is no hard and fast determination on how that works as evidenced by some of the people that have won it in fact there's been a couple of guys who have won it in both leagues Uh, Francisco Liriano is the first guy that comes to mind but Things of that nature, it's like, okay, so guys who just are really inconsistent in their careers, that's what we're talking about, but not necessarily. Like, the thing with Hyunjin Ryu is he's coming back from injury, and I think a lot of people wondered what he would be like after that injury. He pitched really well in a very short stint last season, but he got a lot more playing time, and I think he only pitched like 90 innings or something like that. Yeah, baseball... Baseball reference saying 82 innings last season, and he literally pitched 100 more innings this year. And he finished the year with a 2.32 ERA, a FIP of 3.10. I don't know how much they consider that because this is a Players Association vote. This isn't like, you know, we're, we're not sitting around with stat heads and pulling up fan graphs and all that stuff. So I'm wondering if just on that notion that they'll probably give it to Ryu, because I'm with you. I mean, Sonny Gray was healthy. It's just he was in a situation where he was asked to do a lot in New York, and he didn't quite live up to those expectations. And now, coming to the Reds, maybe his expectations were dumbed down a little bit, but he blew through that, and he probably even blew through the expectations that the Yankees had for him.
1: Well, I think that uh, Brian Cashman's kicking himself for sure. Yeah, and and you know, I think I fall into the crowd of people when you talk about the comeback player of the year award. That it, for me, I I automatically think coming back from injury, um, just as a, a a gut reaction when you when you mention that award to me. So in that regard, I I just I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I would do here. But you know, the third name you haven't even talked about. In this hunt is no slouch himself so uh, it'll be interesting to see where this award actually goes when uh, Major League Baseball announces who's getting it.
0: That is true I guess we are being a little unfair to Josh Donaldson it's not as if he's uh, you know just got thrown in there as a name if you're named as a finalist you, you did something pretty cool and Josh Donaldson's been pretty awesome all season. He is a free agent. However, I don't know that he's on the Reds' radar because I don't think he has positional flexibility. But you know what? Speaking of which, let's just jump right into that. Let's jump into some talk. You know, we've got I think about two weeks probably, I think is what I'm looking at here, before free agency starts because it it begins after the World Series is over. It's not like football or basketball where it's some random day in the middle of the off season. No. As soon as the doors close on whoever wins the World Series, we're starting free agency. Who do you want to see? Because obviously we, we know the names. And for me, I'm not even so much worried about what it takes to get them. I just want the Reds to get them. What are your thoughts on some of the big names for the Reds to go after this year in free agency?
1: Well, yeah, I feel like given the way that the Red season went, especially there in the last month, uh, we've spent a lot of time already digging into what our dream scenarios are. And, I'm, and I think – Given the the level of crossover between all of our listening audiences, and and you know we all talk to each other on these podcasts, uh, I think we've all bought into uh, Chad Dotson's dream of Anthony Rendon being yeah. a Cincinnati Red for the twenty twenty season. And uh, you know, don't get me wrong, I I really would like to see that as well. But as more and more news comes out, and and Rendon continues to. Uh, put on a good show in the uh, postseason for the Nationals I feel like it becomes less and less likely that the Reds are going to be able to get him to come to Cincinnati when he is clearly going to be highly highly sought after I think for me uh, looking at this Reds team we know that something's got to be done at second base Uh, we hope something is done at catcher and something needs to give in the outfield just for a stability standpoint and uh, giving it at least a slight upgrade uh, as we head into 2020. So I still think for me, what I would really like to see uh, in a perfect scenario is that they are able to go out and get Mookie bets from the Boston Red Sox via trade. And, you know, hopefully maybe even sign him to an extension, uh, a la the sunny gray deal, uh, the way that it went down with the Yankees. I'd love to see that happen. Uh, you bring him over, you know, uh, for me, I'm trying to make him our center fielder next year, and I'm moving Nick Senzel back into the infield and putting him at second base to fill that hole. Uh, Then on top of making that trade, I'm going out and trying to sign Yasmani Grandal, bring him back home to Cincinnati. As an offensive upgrade to the catcher position, Tucker Barnhart, I think, sticks around. I keep Tucker. I don't try and trade Tucker. I keep Tucker as our backup catcher, uh, who would be a hell of a backup catcher. Uh, Teams would be, you know, I think, Jealous to have that particular uh, catching core with Grandal and and Barnhart as your one and two. So that for me, those would be I would consider that a huge offseason if they were able to make that trade and then that one free agent signing uh, to get things started.
0: I'm with you, and i I think Grandall, for me, the more that I look at it, the more that I talk about it. Grandall's got to be like the main dude that they go after because he fills a very interesting need, obviously catcher. we want to upgrade the catcher spot as far as offensively. I think Tucker defensively, we know what he is, we know that he's good with the pitching staff, but here's the idea with Grandall; he doesn't necessarily have to be a 162 game catcher which those don't really exist anymore they usually don't play 162 games as a backstop he himself can play first base and I think that opens up some interesting possibilities to kind of load manage Joey Votto and try to keep him fresh throughout the season so that he doesn't hit those strides where not only is he searching for his swing, but he's not physically 100% either. Because I feel like there were some of those, and I don't know if we would ever get him to admit that. But I feel like you could watch him just take at-bats and not look as if he was 100%. So I think if you get Grandal, not only do you have Barnhart and him as like the best backstop duo probably in the major leagues, but you can also keep Grandall in the lineup almost every day but you don't have to keep him in the backstop that opens up the fact that barnhart doesn't really see too much of a dip in playing time so you could sell him on that and not that i think that tucker would be a guy that allows his ego to bump up and be like well if i'm not the starter i don't want to be here I think that's an easy way to sell him and be like, look, dude, you're still going to be a mainstay of this team. You're still going to be a main part in keeping this pitching staff going. But at the same time, our main guy is Grandal. But with him switching into the first base spot, a lot of the times, like you're going to be able to keep Barnhart out there and keep him playing, keep him happy that way. Because, I mean, heck, if me or if you – if me or if you if – wow – That's great English. Um, You know, if either one of us were Major League Baseball players, the prospect of playing less would not thrill us. So uh, I think this would be a happy medium to kind of smooth the idea of the Reds getting better at catcher over with our main man, Tucker.
1: Well, and there's the financial concerns to consider as well. I mean, they're not paying Tucker Barnhart like a backup catcher. They're they're the money that he's getting in is is more than that. Now the question is are they willing to overlook that? Uh maybe so. This is a this is a, a whole different front office we're dealing with. Uh looking at uh Grandal last the this season, 2019 season, uh he caught he he started at a, in 124 games behind the plate. He started 16 games at first base, one game at designated hitter. Uh you know those are those are pretty high numbers for a catcher as far as as starts so you know, i think you might be on to something if uh, you bring in you know a Grandal and you have him be the primary starting catcher and then on days when joey either can't go or needs a day off you move him down the line to first base and and you keep the backup involved whether that backups tucker barnhart or kurt casali we don't know um you know the fact that Barnhart has spent a lot of years starting. You know, make make him available for trade. I wouldn't do it, but you know the front office does have some decisions to make. And if they can trade Barnhart and, and turn that money into a more lucrative offer to extending bets, uh, if they can make that trade or going out and getting a, a big arm for the bullpen, then uh, sometimes these baseball decisions are hard and and you can't make them with your heart.
0: But first, I want you to understand that your next memory at a live event can be made better with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats offers you a rewards program. And with that rewards program you can build up to free tickets. Free tickets? That's like someone handing you tickets to a ball game to the Reds down to a Great American Ballpark. Maybe you're setting field box seats. Guess what? You didn't pay for that. You know why? You're buying your seats with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the best way to make your next memory at a live event. And plus, if you enter the promo code POSTSEASON, you'll get a discount of up to $100 on your next ticket order. And that's not even to sports. That's also to music. Maybe you want to go to see some stand-up comedy. Maybe. You're in a Broadway theater. Vivid Seats has tickets to all of this kind of stuff and more. Enter the promo code POSTSEASON. Download the Vivid Seats app in your phone. I'm telling you what, Vivid Seats is awesome in this regard. Me and my wife took a road trip up to Pittsburgh to finish out the year. We were still wanting to see our red legs right before the season ended. And we used Vivid Seats to get in the door. It's nice because it turns your phone into a ticket, and raise your hand if you go anywhere without your phone nowadays. I can't really see your hand, but most of us don't. Download the Vivid Seats app and enter promo code season for up to a hundred dollars off your next order. Also. Real quick, want to talk to you about Blue Chew. If you have not already done so, check out the offer that we've got today for Blue Chew. You go to bluechew.com and enter promo code MLB. You'll get your first order for free. What are you ordering? Why do you want to order it? Blue Chew is the chewable form that has the same active ingredient as Viagra or Cialis. It'll improve your performance in the bedroom, which will in turn please your partner more. If you're tired of hitting singles and want to hit some extra base hits, check out Blue Chew. Go to bluechew.com, enter promo code MLB. Your first order will be free. You just pay $5 in shipping. And the way that you can get Blue Chew, you go to their website, you answer some questions with their online pharmacist, and then If they prescribe it to you, they send it to your door in a discreet packaging. There is no awkward in-office doctor visits. There is no waiting in line at the pharmacy. No. You just go to BlueChew.com, fill out the questionnaires that they give you, talk to their online pharmacist, and they send it to your door in a discreet packaging. BlueChew is the better, cheaper Faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Reds podcast today. And I think the other reason for going after Grandall with all the muster that they can must, um, they should really look at what is left if Grandall goes to someone else, because there really isn't a clear-cut upgrade on the free agent market outside of Grandall. Then you add in, okay, well, if we're going to upgrade Ketcher, we got to trade for one. And we saw that... You know, they, they tried to trade for Real Muto, and, and everyone said that the package that the Phillies sent to the Marlins for Real Muto was okay. It wasn't necessarily breaking the bank. So you got to believe that uh, the Marlins picked the better deal, which means that the Reds probably weren't uh, in the mindset of offering a ton for a guy who, I, I believe, without looking at it, I believe finished last season as the best catcher amongst war now that that may be that may have changed that may be something I've seen a couple weeks ago or something but he was definitely up there top two catchers in all of baseball without a doubt so if you're not going to go for a guy like that then I I wonder what you would actually be upgrading if you don't get Grandall so he's a guy that they definitely have to go after As far as trade targets go, I love Mookie Betts, and I'm with you. I think that you could sell him on staying here and and, uh, maybe sign him to a two- or three-year extension, maybe more. Who knows? I don't don't know about all the uh, financials and stuff, something I have to look into. But if you can sell Sonny Gray on pitching in this ballpark, you should have no problems selling Mookie Betts on hitting in this ballpark. So I'm with you. That would be an amazing deal because everyone's looking at it like, well, you can't trade for a guy that's only going to play for one year for the Reds and then be a free agent. What if well, we sure get rid can. of that? Yeah, right. What well, if we I get- mean,
1: and, and, and you know, the the extension shouldn't, you know, I don't want people to get bogged down in that. I mean, if the deal is right, I mean, we're gonna, it's going to hurt a little bit to to trade for Mookie Betts. It's almost certainly going to involve Nick Nick LaDolo. It's yeah. almost certainly going to involve you know one of. You know, Jonathan, India, or or somebody else from you know maybe the Triple A level, it's it's gonna hurt. But at the same time, it, the Red's window is closing. Everybody is saying it. Everybody sees it. And I I think Dick Williams' willingness to come out into the media and say you know we're we are shooting for the postseason next year, you know I think the front office gets it as well. They're they're at a turning point with the the reds fans they're at a turning point in the community and and they're at a at a turning point in the organization where uh, this is the year it's either go for it or drift closer to being you know just another cincinnati team led by the bengals that does nothing but disappoint
0: yeah oh boy the bengals but i do i i tell you what though with dick williams and let's talk about this for a moment i like in some of the interviews that he's had here recently, I like what I've seen from what he's said. He's not just skirting questions, giving, you know, coach speak kinda of answers and stuff like that. He he came out and he said, Yes, there will be a nice increase in payroll. Now, we can debate the merits of nice and what exactly that means, but I don't think he's just BSing us and just saying well we're gonna raise it by a (laughs) dollar wink wink I think it's going to be a nice increase I think they will be players and I think there's a reason that we're talking about the Grandals and the Rendones as you know a little bit more than like in years past when we talk about guys well I wish that they would be in on a guy like this no now we're actually talking about the possibility that they can get him so what do you make of this front office, what do you make of Dick williamson does it seem like he has the autonomy now, where we were speculating a few years ago that Bob Castellini was almost kind of controlling him like a finger puppet? Well,
1: that's almost certainly what changed. I think that Castellini got out of the way. I think he finally recognized that if he didn't want to be lumped in with Mike Brown, if he didn't want to be lumped in uh, with you know the things that go on in just counting your money and running he had to make some changes and he got out of the way. That's the difference that I see. If you look at even the difference in the way that Dick Williams talks, you know, he used to answer questions uh, maybe along the party line as far as what the uh, Castellini family was telling him to say. But for me, he answered questions in a way that a person that really wasn't in charge of making the decisions would answer them. And then all of a sudden that changed. And that changed when the front office and coincidentally, yeah, I don't think so. When the front office got aggressive and started doing things that made good baseball sense. And I think that what we see is Dick Williams answering questions now with a little bit of authority because he has a little bit of authority. He's answering questions in a way that outlay outlays a plan because he's the one making the plan. So, I, you know, I've seen a total change in the way that the front, off, front office operates and You know, until they show me otherwise, I I, I have to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, last season, you know, we all jumped on uh, either to make fun of or support or doubt uh, the hashtag get the pitching. And but, you know, what he did is he went out and got the pitching. So when now that he's saying, you know, we are going, you know, postseason or bust. And, you know, on my show, uh, I started with the do it for Joey hashtag. And, you know, let's do it for Joey. Let's go out and get the hitting to go along with this pitching and, and and put this team back in the postseason for what, for a lot of people, will be the first time in their lifetime. So, you know, that's what I think we're all hoping to see from the Reds uh, coming up this offseason.
0: All right, we're going to move into a, one last topic we're going to talk about, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. What are your thoughts on the Reds kind of restructuring their minor league coaching and going after Kyle Bode to pair with Caleb Gotham and Derek Johnson.
1: Well, this is one of the more interesting things that have happened in the offseason for the Reds so far and it happened very early on. Uh the the hire of Kyle Bodie, I think is a real get for this organization for a couple of reasons. Number one, Bodie was highly sought after uh, even with other teams within the division. We know that the Cubs were after him, we know there were other teams pitching him. Uh I guess pun intended, uh, to come to their organization. And ultimately the Reds won out on that. Now the reason for that, uh, if you listen to Bodhi tell it, uh, he's worked closely with this organization for years already. He already knew what direction they were going and he liked what he saw. Uh, I think that really the fact that Cotham was already here, that the reds traded for trevor bauer who is a driveline guy you know or the the original driveline guy Uh, the fact that both of those players were already here probably helped immensely and i think that what it really shows is that the reds just aren't messing around and they're going to write the ship they're going to go out and make the changes within the organization that should have been made years ago Uh, we've talked about before that, this organization as a whole was behind everybody else in making adjustments and getting modern. And uh, we've seen in the fan base the the pain of changing the way things have always been done. And and that's, I think, why we see all of this fire bell stuff that, that goes on on Facebook and social media because people don't like change and they don't understand. And Bodhi, more than any other hire, says to me, uh, we said we're not messing around. We tried to show you we're not messing around. Here, look what we're doing. We're not messing around. <laughs> and the fact that they've put this structure in place with Derek Johnson at the top of it for the entire organization, followed by Cotham, who is probably the pitching coach in training, I would I would say, because if you look at Major League Baseball averages, uh, to have a pitching coach more than two seasons now is pretty unheard of. Uh, I think the average is 1.8 right now seasons that you get out of a pitching coach before they move on either yes. By the organization's choice or by that coach getting a, a promotion and going to be a manager and moving up So, you know, we may get only one more year out of Derek Johnson So the fact that they're really getting Cotham involved in the everyday workings of the entire organization says to me that he's next in line and then you've got Bodie bringing this driveline philosophy And we've seen it already popping up with uh, the article we saw about Michael Lorenzen, who's going to try and add two to three miles an hour to his fastball using the programs developed at Driveline and using the programs that Trevor Bauer works on every day. So for me, this was a big deal, big, big deal to bring this guy in and institute the Driveline philosophy top to bottom for the Cincinnati Reds.
0: We don't, we don't, we don't mess around hey. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I I love the idea that Michael Lorenzen wants to add two or three pounds, or two or three pounds, two or three miles an hour. He could use basketball. to
1: add two or three pounds, too. That guy needs to eat something. <laughs> He's, he is cut for sure. He can afford to have a bowl of ice cream, man.
0: I'll tell you, I, the reason I said that I got almost I was watching the office earlier, and there's that episode where they're talking about weight loss and all that stuff, and Jim just sarcastically raises his hand and says, "I want to lose sixty pounds, and everyone knows that that's crazy 'cause yeah, Jim's not fat, but that's where I got that from <laughs> because but that would be hilarious. I mean, Michael Lorenzo might as well if he adds two or three miles an hour, it's gonna be like him getting up on the mound and just his arm just turns into a gun and just shoots the ball to home plate that's going to be phenomenal you know but, he,
1: he touched 97 often there, right you know? so if he if he gets that up to 100 i mean he's going to be one of the top one two hardest throwers in the game i think the the hardest thrower in the game i was reading probably on red leg nation averages 98.5 on the season and and there's no reason to believe that if Lorenzen's not if he's successful in adding just two miles an hour to what he's throwing, uh, he's going to be right up there as a league leader in as far as the heat.
0: That's going to be phenomenal. And that's got to fall under hashtag get the bullpen too because if he adds two, two or three miles an hour to his fastball, he's a whole new pitcher. Like, I mean, he's already a pretty decent reliever. You add two or three more miles an hour to that fastball, woof, that's going to be all right. Well, hey, man, thanks so much for coming on and talking today. What do you got going on over at Reds Alert?
1: Well, it's funny, you know. I we were talking about you on a, another show the other day, and the fact Whoa. that you're still going daily just makes us all shake our heads and and try and figure out how it is you're finding things to talk about. Because
0: <laughs> I've got a lot know, of it's, useless it's knowledge. It's going to be a
1: long <laughs> off season, and going daily is going to be impressive. But for us, you know, I decided heading into the end of the season that what I was going to do for the off season. I knew that you were. I already had talked to you. I knew you were going daily. I knew that. Uh, Red Leg Nation Radio was going to continue to be weekly. So what I knew was, is that all of these shows would be taking the same one or two news items and trying to make them into episodes and continue to just pump things out. So for me, what I decided to do at that point was take a step back. And if that meant that I didn't produce an episode for two, three, four weeks, that was okay. And I went out and started looking for things that I thought were interesting, things to talk about that were baseball related, but not necessarily Reds related directly. And I found a couple of those already uh, uh, through uh, some team employees that we're trying to talk to that I can't get into until I've actually got those guys recorded. I don't nice. want to jinx that. And then uh, just some other ideas. Our guy, our historian, Stephen Wider out in Florida is working on a series that we're going to do where we delve into each of the Reds players that have been uh, – Elected to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. So we're going to start with Eddie Roush and uh, do uh, basically biography episodes on those guys Um, Also working on recording a series that basically centers around women in baseball Um, We're going to be bringing in uh, a woman that's a general manager in the minor leagues. We're going to be looking to uh, nail down a person uh, a woman that's a a sports writer and what it's like being a, a female a baseball writer in the business, and then uh, I'm trying to to get a hold of uh, one of the two women that have actually worked for Major League Baseball teams in a coaching capacity and get them to record with us as well so that's the project I'm working on right now this women in baseball project I don't know um, you know I'm swinging big on it I don't know how high up the food chain I'm going to be able to get because a couple of these names that I've been talking to are pretty big names but uh but that's what we're doing right now and when those things fall into place we'll put out an episode I'm not stressing about just having it happen every week uh but as these things fall into place they'll be in your podcasting feed
0: that's what's up. Yeah, definitely keep an eye on your feed for the Red Ziller Podcast because that, lo- that sounds awesome, like great ideas all around. Well, Steve, man, I appreciate you coming on. Hope to have you on again soon.
1: Absolutely. Aloha. Hey,
0: Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.